Well, good morning and welcome to Water and Stone. This is a momentous day to be uh, doing this with me because today is the last day of our Sunday School series. As you know, if you've been watching these, we have been working through the Bible. <laughs> There's a lot to say there. and Man, we've said a lot. We've covered a lot of really important stories. Most of the stories are ones that you heard, you were exposed to in Sunday School, but hopefully we've given some new guidance, some new light, some new awareness on what's really going on there and along the way. I hope that we've found some new tools you can use to read the rest of the Bible, because obviously we can't go word for word here. We got, we got only so much time, but also, hopefully, along the way, you have found some tools that you can apply to your life. Your life is the Word of God, too. And there's something really beautiful, really empowering about knowing that. I want you to know as well that we're going to do uh, another uh, lesson next week, but it's going to be about answering your questions, things that have come up for you uh, during the series. It's not too late to send those questions in, that sort of thing. Um, we're going to answer some questions about what's next for the church, what I'm going to be doing next. As some of you know, there's going to be a, a live gathering. We're planning our first live gathering after more than a year, way more than a year, of doing this remotely. We're going to have a live gathering. It's going to be the last Sunday, or the last Saturday, rather, sorry, the last Saturday in May, the 29th. It's going to be in the late afternoon, early evening, probably around 5 o'clock, right here in St. Petersburg, Florida, the finest city on the face of the earth. And if you want more details about that, tune in next week. But also, if you want more details about it, I highly encourage you to subscribe to my newsletter. And you can do that by going to my website. It's waypastok.com. W-A-Y-P-A-S-T-O-K-A-Y, waypastok.com. And if you go to that page, there's a link to sign up for my newsletter, and you can do it that way. You can also follow me on social media. Surprisingly enough, I'm at waypastok on Twitter and Instagram. There's also a Facebook page, but frankly, I don't go there very much. But I will make sure that the details are there, too. Follow me on social media. Subscribe to the newsletter so that you can find out more details about our live gathering on May 29th, but also so you can just find out what's going to happen next because there's a lot that we have planned and I can't wait to share it with you. With all that in mind, let's begin with our opening prayer. God is and I am. I stand on holy ground. Right here and right now, there is truth. Right here and right now, there is freedom. Right here and right now, there is life. This is who I am. I am ready. From now on, I speak the truth. From now on, I choose freedom. From now on, this is my life. The unstoppable love of God prepares the way. I am ready. And so it is and so it does. In Jesus' name, amen. So here we go. The last a story that I'm going to share with you in the Sunday School series is from Acts chapter 27, verse 1, through chapter 28, verse 15. And if you've got the kind of Bible that gives little headings for the sections, your Bible says, Paul is shipwrecked. Very dramatic, very Robert Louis Stevenson, I suppose. But uh, I wanted to share this story with you 
for a lot of reasons. I think that it's something that as we move on from the Sunday School series, it is, gives you something really important to put in your back pocket. But I also wanted to share it with you because this is one of the stories that we have in the Bible that is very historically accurate. It's really interesting because sometimes, you know, we know that, that, that there are stories that probably have some elements of oral tradition where different things have, have come in over the years, where things maybe don't line up chronologically. And we know that the, the letter of the law is less important than the spirit of it, for example. We know that the allegorical interpretation and personal application is more important than every single literal word being right. We know, in fact, that given that there's... I don't know how many dozens, maybe hundreds of different Bible translations. And we know that, that Jesus and the disciples, we know that Moses and everybody in between, they weren't speaking into a dictaphone. You know, that this is all things that are transcribed and edited and retranscribed and all of that. So we know that, that it's really not possible to get the word for word. We don't know the exact words that Jesus said. We get as close as we can, and we try to be responsible about it, but at the end of the day, we know that's not the most important thing. However, sometimes we do have a lot of historical and literal uh, evidence, and we want to embrace that too. And so I want to let you know that there's a, uh, there's a book called Evidence and Paul's Journeys. And in it, about this story that I'm about to share with you, the author says, and I want to read it to you, No other passage in the New Testament has such a striking evidential confirmation of its historical accuracy. Interesting. Not only are the political, social, and legal details of the voyage and the shipwreck striking in their accuracy, but also the meteorological and nautical details. So the author is trying to say, this story lines up in really interesting ways. And if you ever want to pick up that book, it's called Evidence in Paul's Journeys. It's a nice one to add to your library. I mean, I don't think you need to hang on every word, but it's a nice, it's a nice thing to know about because the author really breaks down some of the things, and we don't have time to talk about every single line of that. But I just wanted you to know that this lines up. It's really interesting. But the story is more important than the words, right? Just as, as always in life. The story is more important than the words. This story is about how we respond to guidance on the one hand, our inner guidance, our spiritual knowing, that kind of a thing, our calling, how we respond to that, but how we deal with the literal conditions that we're living in. We live in the material world, you know? How do we balance those two? Changing conditions, even uh, disaster happening in the world. How do we balance our inner stuff with our outer stuff? As we move beyond this series, just as Paul does, this is key. So I want to get into it. Once again, this is Acts uh, 27.1 through 28.15. And the idea is that Paul is being sent to Rome to stand trial. You know, he's a troublemaker. We've covered some of that. If you know anything about Paul, you're familiar with that concept. Paul makes trouble. Kind of a hallmark of the, uh, the Christian heroes that we know about is they tend to be troublemakers. Right away, just as a sidebar, I want to point out that that's really interesting because nowadays when you think of a Christian, one of the things that people often think about is someone who is on the side of the establishment, someone who doesn't want you to make waves. And in fact, if you're different, if you're other in one way or another, the Christian is stereotyped as the person who's going to try to quiet that down. Let's remember together that that is very different from what Jesus Christ did. It's very different from what the disciples did. It's very different from what Paul did. 
I think the concept of making good trouble is the kind of thing that the early Christians were very comfortable with, and I think it's the kind of thing that maybe we ought to get more comfortable with, too. As I said, that's a sidebar. Paul is being sent to Rome to stand trial because he's a troublemaker, and the local authorities, you know, they could have put him on trial where he was, but as it turns out, the local authorities, they like him. They know that they're supposed to put him in jail. They know they're supposed to punish him, but they just can't bring themselves to do it. If you read this part at the end of, uh, of uh, Acts 26, into 27, the, uh, the local magistrates and authorities basically say, you know what, uh, we like you. And in fact, where's the pamphlet? I want to sign up for this Christianity thing. You're about to make converts of all of us. We better get you out of here before you, you change all of our minds. So basically, they send Paul to Rome to kick the problem down the road. Now remember with me that over and over again, one of the themes that's going to come up in this story is your heart knows what to do. But sometimes there are outer conditions that, that pull you in a different direction and you get to decide what to listen to, where to go, how to deal with that. And yes, it's true that there is a constant dynamic of, well, do I follow my heart or do I work this nine to five even though I know it's not what I was put on earth to do and yet I got to pay the bills and, and all of that. And how do you wrestle with these things? And it's not always clear cut. On top of that, we're not always really good at listening to our guidance. It's not a muscle that gets used a lot. It's not something, in other words, that we're often trained for. One of the reasons that Paul is Paul is that he has gotten really good at listening. You want to be the hero of your story. You want to be that apostle. You want to change things in whatever way, big or small, step one is to get really good at listening because the better you get at that, yeah, some stuff is going to come up where there's a conflict where how do I satisfy heart and pocketbook, for example. But to the degree that you get really clear on what your heart wants, it's going to be really clear about what to do about situations in your outer life that don't always line up. But so anyway, they send Paul uh, to Rome to, to kick him down the road. And the problem is that it's late in the year. Uh, the Romans choose to take the trip uh, after the feast time. So we know, once again, this is a historical detail. We know that this is September, October time frame. And that is a bad time to get on a boat for Rome. The, the, the weather is going to be bad. There's going to be storms. It's going to be hard to navigate. It's a bad call. But the... Uh, the guards, the centurion, the soldiers, whatever, on the boat, they want to get this over with. They want to get Paul out of there. And so they listen not to Paul. And Paul says, look, guys, based on my guidance, Spirit is telling me this is a bad call. You know I'm not afraid to go into jail. Remember, we talked about this last week. Paul's not afraid. But he says, this is a real bad idea, guys. And in fact, if you look at the outer conditions, this is a bad time to go. Mm, this is interesting because we've added another level. There's the inner calling. There's the outer circumstance. And added to that, there's what your ego wants to do. There's three things. And, and in fact, oftentimes in the stories of our lives, there are those three things that you can listen to, those three different voices. It's interesting how many times things come in a trinity like that. 
But think about your own life and how many times you had that choice. I know what I'm supposed to do. I know what the conditions are, what would be uh, uh, right to do, easy to do, uh, sensible to do, let's say. But you know what? I want to do this thing because it makes my ego feel real good. How many times have you been down uh, one of those three roads knowing that the other two options were there? This is a really interesting lesson. And you can see why I chose this for you because... I'm about to be done talking about this Sunday school stuff. In a way, I'm sort of sending you off into the world. And the first step on your journey is going to be deciding which fork in that road to take. And in fact, it's going to be a decision you make over and over and over and over and over and over again. But the Romans are really good at listening to their ego instead of what the facts are and what their heart says. Heart represented by Paul in this story. And so they say, well, yeah, but we want what we want. Sidebar. It's really interesting to me how often uh, religious stuff, spiritual stuff, God stuff, mystical stuff, whatever you want to call it, is used not to find a, a higher guidance, not to deal with the situations, but rather to justify what the ego wants. How many times have you heard somebody say, yeah, I read the tarot card and it told me that I, I'm good. <laughs> they got fancier words for it. I cast the stones, I burned the sage, I did the thing and it told me that I'm right. Isn't that amazing? I read the, my horoscope and it tells me what I already have wanted to do is the thing I ought to do. What do you know? Again, just like we said, let's deconstruct the idea that Christianity is supposed to be for the establishment because it's not. Let's also deconstruct the idea that spirituality is for ego validation because it is most assuredly not. Remember that one of the themes that we have talked about throughout the Bible is if it's God talking, it makes you do something. God gives you a job to do, in other words. And that means, in, in another way, that your spiritual calling is going to pull you out of your comfort zone. That's one of the ways you know that it's a truly spiritual thing because God is growth. If your spiritual practice, your religious calling, the place you go on Sunday morning, the book you read, the, the complicated mechanisms that we have for getting there, spiritually speaking, if they just keep you the same, they're not all that spiritual. They're egotistical. And that's just the way it is. So anyway, the Romans decide to, to get on the boat. And the wind starts picking up almost immediately. It's too late to go back, but at that moment when it's too late to go back, the storm starts to get really bad. And in fact, what we see is this voyage is a constant dance with outer circumstances. They're constantly having to course correct, quite literally. They're constantly having to deal with outer things. Now, Paul is still there. Metaphorically, your guidance is still there. So one of the reasons that I want you to really pay attention to this story is I want you to know that even if you don't always listen to your guidance and you go down one of the other roads, so to speak, your guidance is still there. God doesn't give up on you. And you never, this is important, you never cease being a child of God. This is important because some people go, well, I'm a sinner, so it's over. But you know about that, right? Sin just means an error, a mistake, a missing the mark. So if you screw up, if you're not listening to God, it's not like the line is dead. Paul is in the boat with you too, so to speak, and this is really important. But if you decide to listen to material stuff or ego stuff, the rest of this part of your journey is going to be that dance with those things because you have made material or ego powerful. 
You've made it more powerful to you. So now you got to deal with it. Think about your life. I bet you've been down that road before. I, the die is cast. I didn't listen to my heart. I did this other thing, and now i got to deal with it. Well, this is a story for you. And it's one that we've all lived through. And you know what? We probably will again, and that's okay. Because like I said, you never cease being a child of God. You never cease to have access to that guidance, that hero. You're the hero. This is a big deal. But so the storm comes. It's too late to go back. There is nothing they can do. And it looks bleak very, very quickly in the story. And so they, the sailors let down their sails. In other words, we're not going to fight this. And they uh, release all of their tackle, all of the stuff that can, can screw up and get caught on things and all of that. Um, they start uh, dumping cargo. And they gird up the ship. You know what that means? They gird up the ship. That means that they take ropes and they stretch them underneath the boat all the way down. It's like adding extra protection. And this is really interesting. There's this moment in your story when you realize, whether it's the easy way or the hard way, there's this moment in your story when you realize that, oh, wait a minute, I am not in control. Remember with me that God is in charge. Remember with me that, that your point of being here, the purpose for you on planet Earth is not to get your way. We're going to grow up so dramatically and so wonderfully and so beautifully when we stop thinking that the mechanisms for spirituality or economics or success are there so that we can get our way. Look, here's the thing. The world is a very big place. The universe even more so. What do you know? What do I know? We're not here to impose our will on others or on life or even on ourselves. We're here to learn how to listen, just like Paul, right? The egotistical answer when the storm comes is to put those sails up and say, no, I'm going the way I want to go. Well, guess what? You're headed for a shipwreck. To pretend like nothing's wrong and keep doing the thing that your ego wants to do, this is a problem and it doesn't make for a good voyage and it doesn't make you a good sailor. These are good sailors. And they get to that point where they realize that there's nothing for it, that they're not in control. And so they protect what's, what's true. They gird up the ship. They let the sails down, which is a sign of, I'm going to go with the flow and let the storm take the boat because that's the safest way. And they release their cargo, which means the material things no longer are important to me. This is an interesting thing. There are three steps for you when you get into that place where you realize that you're not in control, when it seems like it's, it's really bad, when it's not going to work out the way that you thought it was. There are three things that you must do. Gird up your ship. Just like Noah and the ark, you know, take those animals in that you want to have reproduce in your life. Gird up your ship means pay attention to what is important in your life. Pay attention to what is true, what is noble, what is honest, what is loving, what is spiritual. Gird those things up. Focus on the good, right? The second step is to let the sails down. In other words, go with the flow. Stop trying to impose your will and start learning how to listen. And the third step is to release your cargo. In other words, what are your whole cards in your life? What are your plan Bs in your life? What are the things that, that keep you from your faith? Think about it. Release those things if you want to get through this without getting in the water, so to speak. 
But throughout all of this, they do those things, and these are three really important steps. Throughout all of it, Paul says, look, guys, I told you before that that it's going to be bad, and that's still true, but you're not going to die. It's going to be okay. As long as we stick together, it's going to be okay. We're just got to see this through. Because that's what Paul does. That's what that guidance in your heart does. And this is really interesting because some of the sailors, they try to escape, which is another thing that the ego can do. Imagine being in that situation where the storm is bad and it looks like the the ship's going to sink. There are some people that go, you know what, I'm getting in the water, which is the one thing the ship is trying to protect you from. Worst case scenario, if the ship breaks apart, you're in the water. So why rush that? But there are some people, there are some modes of ego response where it's like, if the problem is bad, I'm going to make it as bad as I can make it. And I understand that. There are some people when, when they, the doctor says, look, I want to, you know, you come back into the office, we got to talk about that. There are some people that pray for disease. When they get an email from their boss and they haven't opened it yet, there are some people that say, oh, I just know I'm fired. When they got no reason to say that. And look, I'm not a psychiatrist, but I suppose that part of the thinking there is at least I know what it is. If it's the worst it can be, at least I know. And so sometimes people wish for that in one way or the other. But Paul says, you guys got to stay in the boat. This is only going to work if we stay together. And in fact, Paul tells the Romans who are now listening to Paul, which is interesting. Uh, I don't have time to talk about it, but read that part of the story. There's an interesting little narrative shift, and all of a sudden, the the Romans go from saying, yeah, yeah, you get in the boat, Paul, what do you know, to going, what should we do? It's an interesting thing for you if you ever feel like you're in a situation where nobody's listening to you. Do like Paul, learn how to listen, right? Anyway, Paul has the Romans keep the sailors from escaping. You've got to keep them in here because this only works if we're all in this together. So let's add to our crisis management a concept of togetherness, a concept of oneness, a concept of make sure that the people around you are okay, even if they're different than you, because the sailors are very different than Paul. Take care of the people around you, even the least of these, as we read, right? This is important. So... The storm is going on for two weeks. We get to day 14 of this. And people are freaking out. It's bad. Boat's still okay, but it's not a good scene. Nobody even knows where they are. They can't navigate. They can't do anything. They can't put the sails up. You get it. And nobody's even eating because they, you know, they're just too scared to. Paul says, look, guys, eat. We've got food on the ship. And he orders everybody to eat. Everybody get full. And then we're going to throw the rest out because we still need to lighten the ship. There's another step in the journey. Give us this day our daily bread. Sound familiar? Paul instructs everybody on the boat, take your daily bread. Let yourself be fed, but don't trust in the storehouse of that. Trust that God will take care of you tomorrow because one of the things you need to do to navigate the storm is lighten your load. And again, let's go back to that jettisoning jettisoning the cargo thing. What are the things that are keeping you from faith? There are some people who go, you know what, my life would be okay if I had the lottery because what that means is I wouldn't have to be afraid. Well, that means that that money is keeping you from having to believe in anything. I want you to be rich and all of that. That's fine. But I don't want you to use that as a substitute for believing in something, for trusting in your source and your relationship with God, for example. 
So finally, the storm starts to subside a little bit because they've been listening to Paul and doing the right thing. The storm starts to subside a, a little bit and the sailors see a coastline, but they don't recognize the coast. We know now from looking at the Bible narrative and thinking about the charts of where they must have been, they were in the right place, but they just come around the other side. But they didn't know that at the point. Um, the sailors couldn't recognize this strange coastline, but they go in anyway. This is interesting. Because part of the story is, this is not about your comfort zone. This is not about your ego understanding. This is not about your past experience. Sometimes you come through the storm and go, I see a coastline metaphorically, but it's not the one that I'm familiar with. It's not the one I'm used to. It's not the one I'm comfortable with. Maybe I should stay in the storm. Safety is not about ego comfort. Getting to the next step in your life is about wanting a new miracle, a new experience. That's what we are called upon to do. So the sailors, they don't recognize the coastline, but they go in anyway. What can you do to stop looking for the familiar and start looking for adventure? Because that's what God wants for you. So they, they go in and the boat runs aground in Malta. We know that. And the ship is destroyed, but they don't need it anymore. Oh, man, there's a lot to talk about there, too. Gosh, this story, it's so funny that such a story that is so literally true, we know the facts all line up, also has such rich metaphor and allegory. The two go hand in hand. You don't have to have one or the other. And this is another reason I chose this story for us to talk about today. Because we've been through the whole Bible. Now we're experts, right? If I could give you a diploma, I would. The boat runs aground and is destroyed in the process, but they don't need it anymore. This is a good lesson. They move on. Part of your healing journey is to move on. And I tell you that as we reach the end of this journey together. Sometimes it's, it's easy to stick to the old things, but you might not need them anymore. A, a long time ago, I was doing some crazy extreme sports and I broke my ankle and it was bad. It was a really crazy experience. The, the doctors who looked at my x-ray said it looked like I'd been shot in the ankle. I mean, it was just, I'll save you the details, but it was a lot. And it took me a long time and multiple surgeries and all kinds of stuff to, to get to the point where I could learn to walk again and all that. It was crazy. And I got a wheelchair for a while, and then I got crutches for a while. And man, it felt so good to be in those crutches. I know that seems like a funny thing, but it felt so good to be mobile again. And I could get around a little bit, and I wasn't in the wheelchair. And it was nice to be in those crutches. It really felt like, okay, I'm on my healing journey. And it had been a long time. And there came a day when... The doctor said, we can take that cast off and you don't need those crutches anymore. And I'll be honest with you, there was a part of me that was a little bit scared by that because I didn't want to go back to that. It was traumatic being in surgery again and again. It was traumatic having the cast, being afraid that something would bump into the ankle, you know, that kind of stuff. The accident itself was traumatic, all of it. And the crutches were like a security blanket. But it'd be pretty crazy for me to stick to those crutches and walk around with them all the time, right? When you don't need them anymore. 
Do you have anything like that in your life? Is a relationship that, that maybe at the time it, it reminded you that you didn't need to be alone, but now you realize that you're not meant to be? Is there a job that, that kept you out of the poorhouse, but now it's not what it was because you're not who you were? Is there a situation that you're holding on to because you think you're supposed to? Because the ego makes it a comfort zone? You know what I mean. The ship has gotten you to land. Now let it go. It's time to move on. You've got crutches in your life, perhaps. So the crew of the SS Minnow gets to the shore, and they're trying to figure out what to do. And, and uh, Paul is gathering firewood. And in the, uh, in the bunch of wood that he finds, in this pile of wood, there's a viper, a poisonous snake, and it bites him. This is really interesting because remember that, that Jesus talked to the disciples when he sent them out. He, he's, one of the things he said is, look, uh, serpents will bite you and it's no big deal. You can drink poison and it won't hurt you. Faster than a speeding bullet, that kind of thing. The point that Jesus was making, I think, is, is spiritual trumps material every time. Be a spiritual person and the material circumstances will come and go and you'll be okay. But not everybody watching Paul get bitten by the viper knew that. And in fact, they had this idea that, oh, see, getting bit by a viper is a death sentence. And remember, we're, we're bringing this guy to stand trial, so he must be guilty. And I love that. I love that idea because they believe, even though they haven't been to the same school, read the same pamphlets as Paul, they believe in the concept that the universe has a built-in system of justice. That primal idea that, that you know what, things are going to work out. Truth will out. It will take care of itself. And the fact that Paul went through that was proof to them that, well, he was guilty. Look, he's going to die and we didn't have to do anything. That simple faith of a basic order to the universe is a really interesting thing. And it's something to think about. We don't have a lot of time to talk about it, but think about that. But then something else happens really interesting. Paul... Lives. <laughs> you know that. There's a whole bunch more of the Bible that we don't have time to talk about. Paul lives. He's fine. Fulfilling what Jesus was talking about, of course. But it's really interesting how that pivot happens because the people around who had believed before that getting bitten by the poisonous snake was proof of his guilt now see that the proof of his healing is proof of his innocence. And I tell you that because let's be real careful together to remember that there is proof of the divine. There is proof of your spiritual nature, of the Christ within you everywhere. And it is really important to stick to the whole story. I say that because I grew up in a, in a religious background that was pretty positive, pretty affirmative. And we had this idea that thoughts held in mind reproduce after their kind. What you think about is what you get in your life and all of that. And I still believe that. It's beautiful. But what I witnessed and what a lot of other people from those kinds of religious traditions, the new thought end of things, um, experiences, there are times when somebody says, oh, look, so-and-so's got a cold. What's going on in their consciousness? Oh, they're going through a divorce. They just got fired. Oh, gosh, I'd hate to think what they're thinking about. And you can use new thought ideas that seem very positive and very practical to go right into a place of victim blaming very, very quickly. And that's awful. And that is not the point. 
Let's get to the place where we go, you know what, they're going through a hard time, but they're going through it. How awesome is that? And this is not a Pollyanna situation. This is the truth. The truth is they're alive. And you know what, they got stuff going on, but so do you. Do you want to be blamed for it? Or do you want to be applauded for your ability to get through it? And your ability to get through it is 100% determined by what you focus on, what you feel in your heart. So it's interesting, when I read that part, and I've read it many, many times, about the people around blaming Paul for getting bitten by a snake, I thought about those people I've seen in my own churches that I have grown up in, going, what's in your consciousness? And I imagine they saying that to Paul. But bless them for their ability to pivot Let's wish for that, too. So, Paul does not die. They see it as proof of his divinity, proof of he is who he says he is. We're going to get to the place where we listen to our guidance, Paul, instead of listening to our fears, the snakes. We're going to get to the place where we stop. This is the important part. We're going to get to the place where we stop buying into the idea that certain things are poisonous. You know what I mean? No need to answer, I can't hear you. We're going to get to the place where we stop believing that there are some things in the world that are quote-unquote bad things. Some things in the world that are other, that are different, that are less than, that are bad. One of the things I think Jesus was saying when he sent the disciples out and basically said, don't be afraid, nothing's going to happen to you, is a teaching for you and me too because he didn't just send them out. He sent you out. He sent me out. One of the things I think he was saying is let's get to the place where we recognize that every single thing, every person you know, everybody you see, no matter how they vote, no matter what color skin they have, no matter who they love, no matter how they live their lives, every single person is a child of God. And we're going to get to the place where we stop labeling some of them as less than. Every atom, every molecule, every moment of this experience of life is a divine moment, divine atom, divine molecule. And you're going to get to the place with me where we stop labeling some things as bad. Yeah, there are some things you don't want to do. There are some things that might be less healthy than others. Nobody looks for getting bitten by a viper. But shall we call every single thing good? Shall we call every single thing as having divine potential? Shall we call every single thing as being put there by God to guide us to a greater adventure and a bigger experience? Yes, because that's the way to live through the snake bite. And that's the message of that story. Paul is healed, and that's not enough because Paul basically starts a little church. The whole time they're there in Malta, and they're there for three months. The whole time that, that Paul is there, Paul is healing people. And, and, and I love that because the real moral of the story is that just as God always gives us something to do, that's how you know it's God, miracles are not about your survival. It's nice and it's great that that happens, but miracles are not about your survival. They're not even about your prosperity. I love it when you have a success in your life. Share those stories with me. I love it when, when you make it through the bad thing, when you survive, and I love it when you thrive. I want to know about it. When you fall in love, when you win the lottery, when you get the promotion, when it works out, that's awesome. And you know what? I am here cheering you on. Keep sharing those stories with me, but know with me 
that the miracle is not about your survival and it's not even about your prosperity. The miracle is about your sharing. The beautiful part of this story isn't that they make it through the shipwreck. That's great. The miracle of the story isn't that, that, that they're doing okay on dry land and they find food. That's great. The miracle of the story is that Paul starts healing people. It might be that you're in a situation where you don't feel the flow of life happening, where, where it feels like the, the good isn't coming. Well, maybe you haven't gotten to part three yet. Share with somebody. Heal somebody. Be there for somebody. Love somebody. Teach somebody. And it doesn't have to always be something you read in the Bible. Just be there for somebody. There are ways. Pick up the phone. Pray about somebody even if you can't talk to them. Love somebody. Because it's the only way through. It's the only way to love. It's the only way to be free. Because after all, freedom is a choice. Thank you. And as always, I, I want to thank you for being on this journey with me. Wow, it's been so great in so many ways. It's been so fulfilling for me. It's such a great way to, to get to the end of this quarantine period. I know we got more to do and all of that, and we will do responsible and, and caring things. But you know what? There's a light at the end of the tunnel, and we have been there walking side by side through this together, and I am so grateful for that. Keep your questions and comments coming. Like I said, next week I'm going to answer some of those questions as they come in. I'm really looking forward to that. I'm going to say one more time that, uh, that the last Saturday in May, which is the 29th, we're going to have our gathering late afternoon, early evening in St. Petersburg, Florida. If you want to find out more about that, go to waypastok.com, W-A-Y-P-A-S-T-O-K-A-Y.com, and sign up for the newsletter. Follow me on social media. There are ways to find out what we're going to be doing, what's going to happen next, and man, we got a lot to talk about. Thank you so much for liking and subscribing and most of all for sharing these movies. If you just click that share button down there wherever it is, it really, really makes a difference for us. I want to remind you that we can't do this without your financial support as well. And so thank you as always for your gifts of love and substance. You can help support this church by going to donate.waterandstonechurch.com. Let's take those gifts of love and substance in our minds and in our hearts and bless them together. God is my source, my unending supply. With this gift, I carry my gratitude into action. God's blessings flow through me and fill my world. I give and I live with radical joy. And so it is. Amen. And I want to remind you as always that wherever you are, you're not alone because we pray as one family. Let's share our dedication. God, I'm ready for change. My heart is open. I'm not afraid anymore. My life is in peace and on purpose. Amen. Now go show the world what love looks like today. I'll see you next week. Hey, this is Dieter Randolph, and I just want to thank you for taking the time to listen to the lesson and hopefully for taking some time to apply what we talked about in your life. That's where this really happens. I love the idea that church isn't something that happens to you, but rather something that happens through you. What you do based on what you've heard can change your life and really 
change the world. This is just the beginning of a bigger journey. And if you want to continue your journey with us, I'd love for you to like and subscribe us on YouTube where you can watch the videos. Come join us in person, our street address, and all kinds of information is at our website, waterandstonechurch.com. All of that sort of thing. If you want to give electronically, that's where to do it. If you want to connect with us on social media, and you really should, do that there, waterandstonechurch.com. Thank you for being a part of this work.